0: What do church leaders need to know to be helpful with someone who's been betrayed? What's up you guys? Welcome to the Therapy Brothers Podcast. I'm Brandon. I'm Tyler. We're brothers. We're therapists. We're not afraid of your questions. So bring it. you guys. We got a really awesome couple of guests on here today. We're going to jump into that in just a second and answer this question, which I think is a really pertinent question for a lot of people. This is a really common question that both Brandon and I see. First, you guys can see obviously that we're missing the better half today. Brandon decided to go out and do some elk hunting instead of do his job with me today. So um, I'm on my own and uh, I'll do my best to hold down the fort here. But before we do that, I just want to jump in and we're going to get started with a a review and with these reviews you guys if you're listening to the show and you're finding value here one of the best ways that you can help to spread the message is through these reviews because that's how we get noticed in the places where we're putting these things and so if you're finding value please rate and review for us uh it's not that we just love to hear nice things about us we love to hear honest feedback too so if you have the courage please get on and share but here's the review for the day it says hope it says, Brandon has been mine and my husband's go-to guy for years. We love the way he explains things and breaks them down so that we can understand. The podcast has helped us come from a place of shame and blame to understanding. So that's awesome. That's Thank you for the review. Brandon loves to feed his ego that way. So that's awesome of you guys to share. Um, all right, let's jump into it today, you guys. We've got uh, Scott and Melissa here with us with a really good kind of discussion question. Thanks for being on with us today, you guys.
1: No yeah, thanks. Thanks for having um,
0: us. Yeah, really happy to have you. If you if you wouldn't mind, why don't you guys, just with whatever you're comfortable with, share, share a little bit of your background behind the question, and let's just ask the question. We'll jump in and get started.
1: Okay, well, I guess I'll kind of go through my story then. My name's Scott um and uh I guess I've had uh I've had a problem with pornography my most of my uh, growing up life and uh I knew that lots of other people had the problem I I would kind of work on it and I'd try to uh try to do better and things and then um I was able to to um be absent long enough to go on a mission and come back and and find my my lovely wife and uh, um, Melissa and uh, get married and I thought that the problem would go away when I was married and uh, yeah that's not how it goes spoiler (laughs) alert (laughs) right and so then it seemed uh, about like six months after we were married is when I came to that sad realization, and i I hid it for a while and then I found that i I had to come clean to to my wife Melissa and um I had confessed to bishops when I was single before, and like church leaders, and it it always like it was such a powerful experience it made me feel so good to finally get this weight off my back. And uh, so, yeah, I did the same thing when we were married. And I remember coming out of of the bishop's office and actually just giving my wife a thumbs up. Like, yeah, like, I'm good to go now. And I didn't realize that that whole backpack of guilt that I was carrying, I pretty much just tossed it onto her. Yeah. And so then she wasn't excited for me and she wasn't <laughs> happy for me. Well, why not? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, what's the, and then that even fed my, my resentment. I'm like, what's, what's the deal? You know, like, this is a good thing. And then, uh, yeah. And I, I didn't understand it. I didn't know what betrayal and trauma was. Um, the, the church leaders, I want to say, um, first thing that, I sustain all my church leaders and they're called of God and they've helped me in so many ways. Um and it's just they they don't know a lot about about betrayal and how that works on a on a spouse. And um so then there's that confession and then because I hadn't yet another thing is I feel like church leaders are apprehensive with the word addiction. They're kind of almost scared to use it because it's like oh we don't really want to label you an addict you know and uh and so I was like well I'll keep going and so you know I read, I read more and and I tried to uh, try to do better things and like you know like a year or so later I, I fell back into it and I couldn't explain it I didn't know what was going on and um, so it was just it was so confusing and uh, I think I've read a lot of A lot of different definitions for addiction but the simplest one I've been able to think of myself is if you've done something to hurt the person you love most and you can't explain why it's because you have an addiction Mm -hmm. and we end up going through the cycles about two-year cycle of me relapsing hiding it for months and and the last time I, I hid it from her for like a year and a half and that's when that's when we were like something's got to change we gotta and so but even with each confession um it got almost harder for for melissa because you know we'd be there and they'd be like okay well you know scott's in a really hard place and you need to you need to really support him try to try to lift him up and and maybe you can you know go to him for for a priesthood blessing now that he's worthy you know maybe that would that would help him you know and there's just a lot of things they would do to help me but then I think Melissa just really felt forgotten.
2: Yeah well um I feel like no one quite grasped the magnitude of what was happening in our lives right like it wasn't just singular acts of acting out it was All the gaslighting and all the hiding and the manipulation right and so i feel like when scott would share what was happening i almost went through a grieving process of um losing what i thought our marriage was and that um realizing that my reality of my life wasn't what i thought
1: so it felt like our life had this big puzzle piece that was just missing and we didn't know what it was
2: and Well, I feel like um, for him, they'd always mention, oh, you can go to 12-step and that might help. And then for me, when I, because I didn't know where to go and who to get help from. And so I would go and I'd have my good cry and they'd cry with me. And then I'd kind of just go home, right? And so it wasn't until this last time that... Scott came home and he's, he mentioned the 12-step for addiction and then that's where I felt like something just bonked me in the head and was like this is our missing puzzle piece and there's something for me and somewhere I can go for help
1: and I feel like no one had ever told me like you need to do this 12-step program go check it out and there's just kind of like well some people you know lots of people like it it's a good thing and, uh, so this time we were like, Hey, like we can't keep doing this cycle for the rest of our marriage. So something's got to change. So I started attending the 12 step and that's when everything kind of clicked because that's when I finally realized that I had an addiction and that Melissa, and then we started looking for stuff and we found Brennan and we realized what betrayal trauma was, and then it clicked again why Melissa wasn't so happy for me when I came and confessed and uh yeah that's when life started making a lot more sense.
2: Yeah so I guess our, our big question that would have saved us years in the process is um how our church leaders could have helped me and being the betrayed and where they could have pointed us to grow and for us to like have start our path of healing.
0: Okay. Awesome. Great, great discussion, you guys here. First and foremost, just I can tell you guys have been on the road for a, a bit now. Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of a rough road, but I I commend both of you guys for being yeah for being on it and for the work that you're doing and for the ability to come and share your story this way. Um, so it sounds to me like you know obviously what we're talking about here. There's lots of different angles that we could take on this, but um, I guess just M- Melissa, I just would like to maybe. Come back to you for a second, you guys are talking in the realm of you know you if i 'm picturing this right you you start this journey you 've got this kind of sort of system set in place where the first really the first line of defense that you go to for a problem like this was your church leaders yeah and 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 I think that that 's an important place to start with what you 're asking about the church leaders because you know for so many church leaders they're in the positions that they are because they genuinely really want to make a difference and they're they're really good people who are trying to do the very best they can mm-hmm. and a lot of times a lot of times they don't even know what to do in order to help say the betrayed side of a of this equation because the focus has always so traditionally been on the person who's got the the sin or the problem that needs the attention right so could you Uh, for any for any one of those church leaders who might actually be listening to the episode here and for anyone else who's listening who's got similar issues that are going to be working with a church leader could could you maybe just describe for me what the emotional process is and was for you through all of this and what you wish you would have been met with that that maybe just didn't quite happen even though it was well intended by your church leader
2: yeah well um there's so many times that we didn't go to a church leader. So I felt like every time that it would happen, I'd grow a little bit more as a a person. Um, But I feel like the first, the very first time we're, when we were married, I think what would have helped is if someone would have helped me put the puzzle pieces together. Cause um, growing up, I always was told, oh, you know, a lot of men struggle with this, right? And so when we were dating, I, I asked Scott, and he's like, yeah, I did, right? But, you know, I'm worthy, and I went on a mission. And so in my head, it was just kind of like, oh, okay, so that's, that's behind us, right? And then when he acted out and he came forward the first time, I didn't quite put those pieces together that it wasn't just a few times when he was younger, that it had been developing and growing for years, right? And so um, I think if I had um, a church leader just kind of ask the questions that I didn't even know how to ask or what to ask, it could have helped me understand more of the scope of what was in my marriage. Because um, I just really felt like it was almost a disservice to me that they didn't want to mention that this is signs of addiction, like addictive behaviors, that it was, you know, just people make mistakes and we move forward. And I totally believe, you know, people make mistakes. I'm, I'm not perfect, I'm far from perfect, but um, that's kind of what I relied on was, okay, um, you know, Scott is being truthful and honest now So that means moving forward, he's always going to be truthful and honest. And with addiction, it's a lot harder and a lot scarier. And so I feel like if I had a church leader that would just help me put the puzzle pieces together and point in a direction of what could have helped us, would have saved us years.
1: And also there's a time and a place for everything, I think, and asking, telling the kind of giving the impression to the betrayed spouse that you know you're going to have to forgive your 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 spouse that might not be at the time of confession that might not be the right place to uh talk about like there there's forgiveness between the the addicted and God but that might not be the the time or the place to talk about forgiveness from the the spouse and because I know she, Melissa always kind of got the impression like okay, I gotta, I gotta forgive. I gotta kind of just let it go, move on. And yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I feel like I almost went through a, a faith crisis a few times because I had all these hard feelings and they were overbearing and I couldn't let them go. And so I was like, do, do I not believe in repentance? Do I not believe in forgiveness? And that was really hard because it almost like allowed me to beat myself up because I was having feelings, which isn't right at all.
0: Right. Yeah. So I think that that's one of the things that happens frequently. Again, I don't think this is ever intentional, but I think it does happen frequently where we're, you know, let's look at it from the Christian perspective and maybe take the prodigal son idea. If your husband, the prodigal, suddenly mm-hmm. returns home here 's this church leader to as acting almost as the father figure to welcome them back into the fold and kill the fatted calf and have this amazing experience like thank you we 're so glad you 're back and you 're loved and it 's wonderful and and in some ways, without really meaning to it almost feeds the same pattern that 's been happening all along with the addiction, which is the addiction is extremely self centered and it 's very centrally focused and and so sometimes sometimes what we miss in that if we take the example of the prodigal son is is that there's a whole other son out there who has actually not really done anything to warrant needing to repent yet and Mm -hmm. uh and of course that son is over there on the sidelines and he's struggling right he's he's experiencing some of the same things you're describing melissa where it's like man like what's wrong with me like i should be happy that my brother's back and i should be glad but i'm just upset because i'm not because I have these feelings here and I think sometimes what what would really help is if there was some level of training for church leaders that allowed them to say okay we're we're dealing with three things here when somebody comes into my office with this problem we're dealing with his problem we're dealing with now even though it's not her fault her problem and and then there's an our problem and and if there was equal focus placed on each of those three problems then we could expand that picture and so a, a church leader or a bishop, ecclesiastical leader of some sort would be able to not only go to, to Scott and say, Man, we're so glad you're back, and let's work through this and repentance is possible, but then he'd be sensitive enough to come to you and say, Wow, I imagine your world is pretty upside down right now. And and I think I think just some simple basic training on what the trauma response is and on what attachment is in a relationship, and then an understanding of the process the actual process of forgiveness without just the words of "oh, time to forgive him. Like it's, it's over. It's more of like, no, okay. If I have, if I have the world ripped out from underneath my feet, I no longer know who to trust or what's actually real in my life. And I'm looking for stability and the place where I want stability is the place where I can't trust right now. That's a really scary, hard place to be in and what i need is a, a way to have some security a place to ground myself a place to be reassured that i'm not crazy a place to be met with extreme we call it ridiculous patience where i'm allowed where i'm allowed to be able to step into this process of forgiveness and i i would love it if church leaders were trained and you know in the terms of the process of forgiveness to think about it in terms of grieving instead mm-hmm. where where forgiveness is this process of true grief where I have to go through pretty much all of those stages where there's gonna be denial about it I'm gonna try to like wrap my head around how this couldn't be happening to me this isn't the world I signed up for this isn't the guy I thought I married like and then it moves yeah. into you know anger and There's this frustration and anger and bitterness that can only naturally happen when we feel like we've had something taken from us or there's something that we have to protect. And a lot of times a betrayed spouse feels like she has to protect a lot of things that are hard to speak, things like values and things like other beliefs and what to do about the kids and all of this, what what else they don't know and all of this stuff, they feel like they got to protect. So of course there's going to be anger. And then the anger can move into, you know, sadness or depression. And then there's the bargaining of like, well, we, with God or with your husband or whoever else. And before you finally nestle into this place of acceptance, which is okay, I don't like this, but this is the reality of my life. And I think I can still be with this man. I think he's still a good man with flaws, but that takes, that sometimes takes years. Mm
1: -hmm. And,
0: and, and if it's, and if it's pressed hard to get through it, it actually exacerbates all of those stages because there's no room for those stages to actually be processed.
1: Yeah. And I feel like too, like I I loved the prodigal son part of of confession. Like it, it felt really nice. But I kind of wish after that, like that's still a great thing, you know. Like I know my bishops love me and that they mm-hmm. felt for me and they were so happy that I was now trying to work on this problem and so I really would have wished like two things one that they wouldn't be quite so scared to use the word addiction be like I feel like you are definitely dealing with an addiction and maybe even asking me uh, how often has this happened can we just lay out a timeline like when what's the longest time you've gone without struggling with this you know and just that's not something somebody likes to lay out for themselves because that's not really I wanted to be a paleontologist when I grew up I didn't want to be an addict (laughs) (laughs) you know it's not something you put on one of those things that you want to be someday and so it's not it's not very easy to to admit it and um if I would have had a little bit of help just just trying to lay out, like, it looks like you've never gone more than, with the exception of your mission, you've never gone more than, like, a year without doing this. So this is, a, this is definitely an addiction that we're dealing with. So that would have been extreme, because that's when my life made sense. And it's like, oh, I'm not doing this because I'm a horrible person. I'm not doing this because I hate my spouse, because I love my spouse, you know? And so nothing made sense in my life, but that that was kind of the missing puzzle piece for me. And the the other thing is after the whole prodigal son moment, I wish they would have sat me down and like you said, was it ridiculous patience? Yeah. And uh you need to have a ridiculous amount of patience for your wife right now because you've you've done a lot of things that, that hurt her really bad. And she is in a space where she doesn't know if she can trust you. Like I like. Don't expect her to forgive you tomorrow. That's something you can work on. It's definitely something you need to work on. But she's going to have some days where she looks like she's doing good. And then the five minutes later, she could be in the gutter. And that doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. That doesn't mean that she's doing something wrong. That's just the process of recovery from being betrayed. Sorry, because I remember that... I kind of thought Melissa was out to get me (laughs) when she was when she was dealing with her betrayal trauma because she would just all of a sudden like be happy and then all of a sudden she'd be like why did you do this to me I can't believe that you did this and I'm like what are you trying to make me feel horrible like you know and and then I would I would guilt her and then which I realized later was was manipulating (laughs) but um I, just... I love
0: I love how in your example, somehow it still came back to you. <laughs> the, the, the fact that she was hurting was like, why are you doing this to me? I'm, I'm good now. Like, stop hurting me. Yeah. Instead of going like, man, babe, I can't tell, can't believe you're still hurting so bad. Like, what do you need from me? Right? Yeah. 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 And you're saying, and what, and what you're saying, I think what you're saying, Scott, is, is that you're saying that you would be, you would love some of that education up front to say, hey, look, this this recovery process, as much as it is your recovery, it's not just about you. And, mm-hmm. and if you understand that if you can just simply understand that your wife is going to without without being crazy just because of the nature of what she's going through, she's gonna probably be all over the map emotionally from time to time. And yeah. that's that's not her fault. Like that's just gonna be part of the process. And if you understand that, then you then you're gonna be more tooled up to actually step into this space and be able to hold that space for her and with her, instead of go, geez, when are you going to get over this? Like, stop hurting me. Like, I, I'm doing better. Like, you know, um, and, and it doesn't help when, when that's a natural part of the process in the marriage. And then a partner is going, well, where do I turn then? Because I, I can't feel like I can talk to or show my feelings to my husband right now. The next best place for them to turn normally is to their church leader. And when they and when they go to a church leader and the church leader sort of like pats you on the head and goes, Okay, just get out there and forgive him. And then you're like, Am I nuts? Like (laughs) why why am I a bad person? Because I honestly am having a hard time with these feelings. And and instead, if you were met around that corner with, Yeah, this is really, really tough, like of course you're hurting. And here's this process that we call the grieving process. And it looks, looks like you may be in one of these stages right now and that's okay. Like I'm here for you. We're, we're here to, you know, take as much time as you need, you know, and of course there's going to be the the spiritual coaching that comes along from a church leader too, where they're going to, they're going to help teach those like core Christian principles, but they're not going to be, they're not going to be forced. They're going to be just there to be grasped onto as you move through the process of you know, grieving and ultimately acceptance and forgiveness. Um, Does that make sense?
2: Oh, yeah. That
1: that, that totally describes it. It is a process.
2: It's totally a process. And I found it very difficult because I was going through that process alone, right? And I felt like um, this is such a dark and shady thing that, we were going through so it's like you didn't you don't want, want to, to share to your family
1: members no. you don't want to talk to your friends and be like hey i'm having a really rough time oh why well my husband's struggling with pornography oh okay well yeah that's just well, not a- yeah
2: it's just something people don't want to talk about and i don't blame people for not wanting to talk about it but it has to change because i felt very lost and very alone and my concept of my reality and of my life was just kind of robbed right like everything that I thought that our marriage was founded on wasn't true. And so then I had to grieve what it was. And I was also afraid of my future because I, I didn't know what I was going to do with my my kids, myself. And um, it was just for me, it, it, like I know I went through stages of depression where I just had a dark cloud of life and I was just surviving. And I, I feel like... Um, like when I I would talk to a church leader, they'd be like, well, we we don't want you to feel alone because there's so many couples that deal with this. and But they wouldn't give me resources. And so you, you feel alone and that's really hard, but you shouldn't feel alone. And, and then that was it. And so I feel like when I finally knew that we were dealing with an addiction, I knew where I could go for help. And I knew women... I found women that could relate to my feelings, and then it just kind of opened a world up that i didn 't know was there mm-hmm. awesome
0: yeah. and having that having that team becomes so important because it just it really becomes that stabilizing force you almost fall into it 's like a safety net that kind of goes look you 're not crazy, and have you thought about this, and let 's pick you back up and let 's keep you moving and and just having that. So, so what I'm hearing you say, maybe you could just speak to this a little bit more, Melissa, um, is, you know, having been through what you're in the process of going through right now, and knowing what you've been through, if you had the perfect world and you had to start this thing all over again, what would what would have been the ideal sort of response? What would you have needed? What could have been provided by a church leader? that would have been the most helpful for you?
2: The most helpful for me? I think if they were educated and um, if they just kind of saw me, that would help. And I don't know if that makes sense because I I felt like I would go into an office and it was just very linear, like this is what happened and but they didn't see the, the gaslighting, like the psychological abuse, Sorry. right? And so...
1: So what is it that you wish that they would have said to you? Like maybe something yeah. like, you have been betrayed and so these are some...
2: I feel like education would have been the biggest thing. Like knowledge is power. I feel like um, if one of them was just said, you know, I think you're experiencing betrayal trauma And I think the best thing you can do for yourself is to research it and to figure, you know, discover what it is and see if you can relate to any of the similarities. I think that would have moved mountains for me because it validated my feelings. And um, I think for Scott, if they asked him to do the same thing, that he would have realized like these are normal processes and normal feelings that Melissa's going through and how can I support her? Because what I've realized is for in, in regards to like healing, if Scott's not on the path of recovery, I can still find healing for me. But for him to find true healing, he needs to find restitution and to help those that he's hurt. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I wish that would have been nice too, is for them to say like, okay, like part of this repentance process for you is going to be restitution. And part of restitution is going to be you learning about how your wife feels as a betrayed spouse. And I remember reading the, or watching the videos of of Brennan's how to uh, help her after shattering her her heart. And uh, it was just mind blowing, you know, just like learning about holding space and things like that. Because I would feel so alone because Melissa would be triggered by you know, anything that happened. And then I like, what, what do I, what do I do? Do I, you know, and um, yeah, knowing that, that, uh, that betrayal trauma was a thing I'd never heard of that, that term before I found out about Brennan's stuff and maybe even just having, we found a lot of excellent books and things on, on betrayal trauma and we even gave one to our Bishop and we're like, just keep this in your desk for, for the next uh, for the next person that needs it, you know, and
0: yeah, awesome. So so if I'm gonna kind of sum up what you guys just said here, you're saying that basically what you would have really appreciated was some education on the process of what you guys were gonna be going through. Which which you know, even though you were never introduced to anybody else, that that's probably maybe the most common thing that any church leader gets through their office is you guys' story. And uh, so, if a so if a church leader is educated on both sides, on on all three, on the his, let's just say his addiction, hers betrayal trauma, and the hours of what it's actually going to take to rebuild trust over the process of time, if a bishop or a church leader understands that process, they could use they could use some of that knowledge just to at least steer you in the right direction to say, hey, look, like this there this is a thing. Like it's a pretty common thing and there's a way through this and here's a good place to go start. And so you're saying education on the part of the church leader that could then lead to some resourcing so that they could say, it's not like, it's not like the church leader needed to be the end all answer all be all for you. No, No, not at all. No, they just, they just needed to be almost this conduit for you to say, okay, let's get you in the right path here where you can have, the right kinds of support you can get the right kinds of education you can start to build the right kinds of tools to start climbing out of this hole and um and then just be there continually as sort of a spiritual emotional support on both sides as you then go through the process that you're going to go tackle yeah. that's what mm-hmm. you're saying awesome yeah. yeah i i think i think that that's something that you know as I, I work I work with a ton of church leaders, you know? I mean, it's like, I think just because of the nature of the, the specialization that Brennan and I both do with sexual addiction, betrayal, trauma, it's often so closely connected to, especially these Christian, you know, the Christian values here that I sometimes feel like church leaders are my second client, where I'm talking with them frequently all the time. And, and by and large, most of them, you know, I have a standing offer that says any church leader who wants to come meet with me, I'll take them to lunch for free if they'll just let me talk, you know, <laughs> just because just I want them to have that education that says, oh, I know what to do. And, and I think it really empowers a church leader to have that education. Totally. I, think, I think they're, they're well intended, but I, I, I wonder if sometimes they don't even know where to go to get the resources or get the help that they need to then be able to do what you guys just said. And, uh, and so, in some ways, with your question, it's almost like the question needs to be flipped onto you and onto anybody else who's listening right now who's going through similar things is, is how do I help my church leaders get the education they need to help me and everyone else that's going to come after me, exactly. right? And um, and that's a and that's a, that. It, and in some ways, it almost helps your own recovery to think of it that way now, because now you're going to have some purpose for why you've been through the things that you've been through, and it's going to give you a chance to be empowered at helping whoever you come in contact with that might be in the position of trying to to be the first line of defense with other people. Um, I know Brandon has a bunch of resources. Uh, we also we have right now. For those of you listening and who might be interested in sharing with your own church leaders on lovestrong.com there's a free church leader course for how to handle sexual addiction and we're currently developing one on betrayal trauma that should be done by the end of october and they're just free resources for any church leader who just has some questions and who wants some understanding and by all means you guys please feel free to use that resource and share it with whoever you can so that we can kind of spread the word here, because I think you're right. It's so pivotal. I mean, I can't tell you, like, just from from my perspective. I usually Brandon and I are usually like the last line of defense when people are falling apart and their marriage is on the rocks and it's it's looking like a divorce and the last ditch effort is to come in and get counseling. Um, one of the factors that is is Really vitally important and that seems to shine through is is that when we work with a couple who has come through a church leader who knows the prognosis is so much better it's you 've got that extra support you 've got that extra level of like spiritual care that 's going on there 's this added patience it 's almost like there's this piece of structure that gets put in to go along with the twelve step and the therapy and the books that you 're reading and that the power of a of a well-informed church leader is it's immeasurable, um, and I think it, and I think if we if we were to take that kind of approach with the church leaders that we're dealing with and say, hey, look, look at the look at the impact for good that you can have, because I think a lot of times they hear, oh, he's failed me again, you know. I mean, like, how <laughs> many? you, you know, it, 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 there's, it is like one of the hardest jobs in the world to be a church leader, because even when you've got really good intentions, somehow you let people down, you know? Um, But if we could, if we could, if we could build them up and say, Hey, look, like, look at the impact for good that you can have. If you would just take a little bit of extra time to understand X, Y, and Z um, that's, it could be really, really beneficial Um, for a lot of people. Go ahead, Scott. Um,
1: If I just add something quick I just don't want to put across the impression that I want my church leader to be a counselor for me, but it's just, or for us. Um, But when your belief system requires confession to a church leader um, in order for worthiness to return, then that's what kind of puts the church leader on the first line of defense and that's kind of how he ends up being the first person that that we talk to because as far as our our belief system goes that in order for me to be worthy again confession to a church leader is necessary and so yeah like you said just if they could just be a conduit to just get people connected that would just be really awesome
0: Great. I, I think it's good that you reemphasize that I think sometimes this is just a human thing that we all do is that when somebody brings us a problem, we think we have to be the one to fix it. And, and, in, and what you're saying is, is that a, a really good ch- church leader doesn't necessarily need to have to be the one to fix it. They need to be the, to fulfill the role that they are, which is that, you know, whatever common judge in Israel place for confession and a place for support, and if they just had a little bit of understanding and education on, on what betrayal trauma was, especially, and addiction, then it would just be this easy, seamless transition into added support and education, and then they could just really continue to fulfill their role as your emotional and spiritual kind of advisor and support. Um, and I think that that's really important, is that, is, that, is that we all, and church leaders included, can understand that they don't have to be the solution. That, it, that in a lot of ways, ultimately, God's going to be the solution, and God can work through a lot of other channels. And, um, and if, if that church leader can just open up the channels, then, then God can take care of the rest with, with right effort and right work on the part of the couple. You know so um excellent any other questions you guys or thoughts um,
2: um not too much I was just thinking about what you just last said um because for for me when I was in my darkest place I didn't want him to be with me right like obviously sure. <laughs> of and, course <laughs> but like like what you said about God like that's That's where Christ comes in. He crawls into those darkest places with us. And that's where I found solace. And that's where I knew he was real. And like, um, I know like sometimes one of the questions that I'd come into my head is like, how can God be real since this happened? You know, like, why, why would he do this when I'm doing all that I can to stay on this right path? And why would he let this happen? And, you know, I, I've been thinking about that question a lot and it's just, I know it's because I can evolve into a person and God can take our hardest and most darkest places and he can make them into a miracle. And um, I know like at the beginning process, it doesn't feel like that would ever happen. I remember it was, I think, five months after our last you know confession that we were at the park and our kids were playing and we were laughing and I remember my face hurt and I was like why does my face hurt and it, I realized it was because I was smiling so much but it took it took so me, muscles
1: hadn't been worked out no for a while. no
2: and I cried tears of joy and it, you know that was like five or six months after and I went from a place where I thought I'd never be happy to that place and then I thought oh it's finally behind me and then the next day later I got hit with a this is my reality truck. Right. And it's like, that's okay. It's okay. Yeah, that
1: truck likes to back up and run you over. Yeah. Again. It, it <laughs> keeps
2: coming around. It's a loop, but the, the road gets longer and that's okay. Right. And yeah. I what a- knowing, knowing you're not alone, right. With God and with your, your fellow man is huge. Right. what a
0: what a beautiful story I mean thank you for sharing that and you know I think you illustrated a point that I think is really really common for someone who's been betrayed is is that one of the byproducts is, is that it often causes this questioning and struggle and almost crisis of faith that goes along with other the betrayal doesn't just stay in the realm of sexuality it, it touches everything and and when there's this struggle, this wrestle, I believe it's a necessary wrestle that we all have, but to hear how you've come through your wrestle and how you've been able to access the, that portal of, you know, where you, <laughs> what a great story that you were shocked that your face was hurting because you'd been smiling. Like that is yeah. what a beautiful story. And um, maybe I'll just end with this thought to go along with what you were saying. It's, uh, it's just a little short stanza of a poem that I believe is just kind of, true for all of us whether it's betrayal trauma or whether it's addiction or or whether it's any other form of struggle in our lives we can always we can go to god and every one of us at some point can say why like i'm doing everything right or this isn't fair it's not good but um this poem rings through my head when i think of those things and it just says all who journey soon or late must pass within the garden's gate and kneel alone in darkness there and battle with some fierce despair God, pity those who cannot say, not mine, but thine, who only pray to let this cup pass away and cannot see the purpose of Gethsemane. And um, I think it's just, just part of the natural process that we have to do that wrestling. But but as we do that wrestling, if we'll submit ourselves to that process, and if we have room to do that wrestling, then inevitably we we end up finding where we need to be and we end up finding the deeper connections that we need not just with our spouse but more confidently inside of ourselves and ultimately with with god with our higher power so thank you guys so much for being a part of this today awesome question awesome discussion you guys' story sounds incredible too so thank you so much for sharing yourselves
2: thanks for having us yeah thanks you thank bet you for opportunity
0: you guys, if you if you if you appreciate what Scott and Melissa have shared with you today, and you know somebody who might be able to benefit from this, whether it's other couples that might be struggling, or especially your church leaders who might benefit from some education, please share this. Please rate it. It's a, it's the way that we can reach other people. And uh, you guys have an awesome day.